ask you tonight, if you will, please, to open your Bibles with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. And before we get there, and we will eventually get there, there is something that I want to read for you. Most of you, well, all of you who were here Sunday, you probably remember that there was a word from the Lord that came. The spirit of prophecy came into this place. And uh, I want to read to you uh, a portion of this that's been transcribed from the service on Sunday. And we will refer to this uh, from time to time throughout the rest of the year. We're into the, just barely into the last quarter of the year. And you'll see why I would say we'll refer to it as we go along and into even the new year because the Lord has given us some instruction to our church body and those connected here. And so I want you to listen and let this just get down into your spirit. Uh, we, the transcription picks up uh, with uh, me declaring, I'm praising now because the future is bright. Things are on the horizon. The best is yet to come. We are entering the last quarter of 2023, and I want to declare to you this will be the best quarter of the year. And I'm going to stop a minute to say this has been the best year we've ever had in all the 33 years that uh, Glenn and I have been in Central Virginia. This has by far been the year of the greatest blessing. We've given more, received more as a church than we have ever, ever had. It's amazing what the Lord has done. And so the, the year's not over. And if you'll remember in the beginning of the year, we said this year, 2023, would be a year of breakthrough and blessing. We felt led of the Lord to declare that. For all of those who are connected, and by the way, that would be those who are watching online, who, who faithfully watch, those of you especially who support this ministry, you're a part of that. And so we have had so many great testimonies of breakthroughs and blessings in this congregation. It's just really amazing. And so the Lord told us the other day that this would be the best quarter of the year. In the name of Jesus, this will be the best quarter of the year. Hallelujah. And it is going to open the way for the year 2024, which will be a year of visitation from God. So that's what we're going to be working from in 2024, a year of visitation. You'll hear that phrase a lot between now and the end of next year. And uh, he went on to, to explain a little bit what he was planning for us. Now, I believe in prophecy. Amen. I know sometimes people wonder about these things, but if the word is from God, then it's going to come to pass. People will dream dreams, and people will see visions, and people will hear the voice of the Lord in ways they have never heard Him before. It will even begin before the end of this year. 2024 will be a great year of visitation in this place. And for those who are committed and connected and partnered here, they will receive this kind of blessing and visitation from the Lord. This year of breakthrough and blessings will lead us into times of His presence and visitation that is going to be so glorious. Right now, we are entering into it. It's upon us, and we can rejoice in it right now. Let's rejoice a moment. Father, we do thank You for visitations from on high. 
Thank you, Father God, that this quarter will be the best quarter of the year. We thank you, Lord, that the best blessings are still awaiting us. The greatest manifestations of the Spirit are still awaiting us. Your glory still to be manifested in more glorious and powerful ways than we've already experienced. Lord, we are grateful for what you have already done, and we look forward with expectation and anticipation to that which you will do. In the glorious, wonderful, mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. You might ask the question, and of course we will be uh, teaching about what a visitation is and those kinds of things as we need to get into that, but um, if you want to just have a quick little uh, uh, note of what we're talking about, it's simply this, it's when God shows up. <laughs> it's when God shows up, and you know what I mean, God is everywhere and he's inside of us right now, but we're talking about manifested presence. We're talking about God moving in just a way that's beyond what happens in your living room or in the car as you're driving along. All that's wonderful, but when God's people gather and they enter into his presence with worship and praise, we create an atmosphere that God can come down among us in a very tangible way, and that's what we're looking forward to, creating an atmosphere that causes people to be hungry for God and want to receive from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, most of you know that last week we were in Texas for Milan's homegoing service on last Wednesday night, and we do thank you for your prayers for us and patience with us. We didn't obviously know when we scheduled um, the Louisiana ministers meeting. I mean, we didn't schedule it, but we agreed we go every year in September, and then we scheduled a, a vacation immediately following. We didn't know that all this was going to happen at once and we were going to be gone so long. And so I actually haven't ministered here. Uh, it was four weeks ago that I ministered on Wednesday night. And um, I uh, want to just get back into what we were into because we didn't finish it. And that is the subject of divine healing. Sooner or later, you or somebody you love is going to need the truths that I'm teaching you. I'm not speaking doubt over you. I'm not speaking a curse upon you. It's just a fact that we're in physical bodies, and it's also a fact that the devil sees the physical side as one of the places where he finds many times a lot of vulnerability. Now, we can change that. We can, we can put up uh, defenses in that area, but the fact is I don't know of anybody regardless of how faithful they were or how faith-filled they were or how anointed or powerful they were. I don't know of anybody that lived for any length of time that didn't have to battle to uh, get rid of sickness and then learn how to receive their healing. It doesn't take forever, and it's not hard necessarily, but it's something we do need to know about. And if it's not for you, it's for somebody you love. It's for somebody you know. Uh, P.C. Nelson said many years ago, a great scholar of, uh, he spoke 32 languages. He could read and write in 32 languages. I mean, that, that just baffles my mind. He was one of the premier Greek scholars of his day. Uh, and he started his ministry as a Baptist and ended up as, a, uh, as an Assembly of God minister, a Pentecostal minister. And uh, he, he was a very, very great scholar. 
And he made the statement to a group of ministers years ago. He said, always feed, and he, he was talking to the ministers about their personal devotional life. Always feed, and he meant spiritually feeding. Feed along the lines of faith and healing, he said, because sooner or later you or somebody you love is going to need it. And if you haven't uh, fed along those lines, when you need it, you'll be at a disadvantage. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's much more difficult if you have to start from scratch. Now, I know divine healing is something that people um, are many times very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? It's, it's, a, it's a point of division. It shouldn't be, but it is. A lot of people just absolutely dismiss it out of hand. They believe miracles have ceased. God doesn't do this anymore. Other people believe in healing, but they've done no detailed study or had no detailed teaching as to how it actually works, and they don't know really how to receive it. And that's very frustrating. You know, it's, it's, it's not as frustrating to just dismiss something out of hand as it is to believe something that you can't get to work for you. I want to say that again because it's really important. It's, it's not as frustrating to just dismiss something out of hand, just ignore it and pay no attention to it. That's easier than to have just a little bit of knowledge to the point where you know there's something there, but you just can't figure it out. You just don't know how to get it to work. And a lot of God's precious people are in that, that uh, latter place. They, they don't know how to get this to work. And so um, that's what church is about. It's about learning the things of God, learning the Word. I, was in a, I grew up in a church, and I was thinking about this. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but anyway, this week, I was thinking about this and how that I grew up in a church and went for years, and I mean faithfully. I mean, like three times a week, most, most weeks. Uh, you know, a midweek service, a Sunday morning, and a Sunday night. And then from time to time, you'd go to special meetings and revivals. And occasionally, you'd have a vacation or something. But, but we were in church a lot. And I, I, I can't think uh, over a number of many years when I ever heard anybody in those churches look to the Word and say, I'm going to talk about divine healing. We just didn't do it. Now, it's not that we didn't believe God could heal. Because we, we believed that He could. We believed he was God. We believed that he is all-powerful. And we believed he could do anything in that regard. And um, it's not that we didn't pray for people when they got sick or that we didn't pray for ourselves when we got sick. But what we didn't know was whether or not our prayers would be fruitful. We prayed most all the time with the faith-destroying phrase, Lord, if it be thy will. And I can tell you that using King James English does not get you any points with God. You can say thy instead of your, and it's still not going to help you. You can, you can wrinkle up your face, and you can strain and, and, and say it in your most sincere tone. That's not going to do it. God does not respond to natural Stimulus. I mean, he, he's, not, he's not moved by our emotions. I, mean, I know that he, he understands. Jesus is the great high priest who understands. 
And I know that in a sense of speaking, yes, he's there, he knows. But, but as far as moving his hand in power to fix something, to change something, that doesn't happen because I'm in tears or because I'm emotional. And I want to tell you something else that it seems like a lot of people in the body of Christ have yet to realize. It doesn't matter how many people are praying. If they don't know how to pray, 10,000 people could pray and still nothing's going to happen. And this happens all the time. All the time. You know, that's one reason I'm very careful. And you do whatever you want to do. Of course, I say that knowing that you're going to anyhow. But uh, you, do, you do whatever you want to do. But I'm very careful who I share any kind of prayer request with. There are things that I know the Lord wants the church to enter into in a prayer covenant, things that we need to pray about together. There are certain things we teach that we need to pray about, and that's fine. But I'm talking about for me personally. Uh, because if I'm going to have somebody pray for me, I want somebody that knows how to pray. I want somebody that knows how faith works. I don't need their sympathy. Now, I love sympathy just like you do. If I'm feeling bad, I love to be waited on. We all like our flesh petted. Honey, do you need this? Do you need that? Glenn is such a kind and loving person. She, she would have made a wonderful nurse. Me, not so much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, if we believe we're healed and we don't mope around, let's get after it. Well, you know, that a lot of, people don't want to hear that. They want to hear you, poor thing. I don't know how you're holding up. <laughs> well, you won't be holding up if that's all you're getting because that'll kill you. So, so, you see, when we talk about healing around here, we're talking about something that a lot of people have never heard about in this way. Uh, but if we renew our minds to these truths, then we can receive from God. And so that's what this series is all about. You can go back and listen to some of the previous messages. They're all on the app. They're on the website. Uh, you go back on YouTube and listen to them. Lots of free ways to hear those messages. And so tonight I just want to kind of pick up with this and, um, and, and, and go from here. So let me make this statement to you because I think it's important for us to understand this. It says, this is one of the foundations of understanding how divine healing works. Here we go. Because of the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, in our place and on our behalf, healing has become a right for us. Amen. Now I want to say that again because this is so important to understand. We are not trying to talk God into healing us. Healing is not done by God on a case-by-case -case basis as far as, as this is concerned. He doesn't look at each case and decide if he will heal or not. God never does that. It is always yes and amen. Every promise of God. Healing is not a wish. Healing is a fact. Divine healing is not a pipe dream. It is a heavenly reality 
ready to manifest in the earth realm if we can connect properly to the Word of God and the power of God. So because of the redemptive work of Jesus, notice it's not because of what we did. None of us have earned it and none of us ever will. But because of the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross in our place and on our behalf, healing has become a right for us. Just being in the family gives you the right to your healing. So forget about your past, particularly the past before you knew the Lord. None of that has any bearing on what God wants to do for you today. And even since you've been saved, if your sins that, that you have, you know, your failures and faults and mine as well, we all have those. If we are keeping those where they need to be, which is we've repented and they're under the blood, then we do not have to be conscious of that at all. None of those things are going to keep us from healing. Amen. Because of the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross in our place and on our behalf, healing has become our right. So let me make this statement to you. Healing now belongs to us by grace through faith. And after all, that's how you got saved. If God could take who we were and resurrect us to a new creature, a new creation, one that had never existed before, a brand new species of being, if God could do that and make us righteous, put us into covenant relationship with himself, if God could do that by grace through faith, and the deal was sealed, as we say, then you can believe God for anything, I promise you. Because that's the greatest miracle that's ever happened in your life. You've already believed Him for the hardest thing in the world, and you received. So healing is not really a problem. You're sitting there like you're just not sure I'm telling you the truth. Let it sink in. Go to your Bible. Listen to the Holy Spirit inside your spirit. I'm telling you the truth. I think sometimes in trying to teach these things, and I, since I'm a preacher, I can pick on preachers a little bit here. But I think sometimes we overly complicate these things. This really is simple. Faith is simple. Healing is simple. I mean, after all, we can't produce the power on our own. We can't heal ourselves. So... Uh, if I'm going to get this through a divine connection, then really what I want to work on is, let's get that connection right. How does this work? Well, that brings us to the next thing that I want to mention to you. And that is that divine healing is most always a cooperation between God and man. Now, I understand that there may be situations where people have just been healed and they just absolutely don't even hardly know how it happened. And they know God did it, but they just didn't, they weren't seem, seemingly believing anything. Uh, you know, and, and that, that is at the same time wonderful and puzzling. You know, because sometimes you'll see a great saint of God who we consider a great saint of God. And they're struggling with something. And maybe they struggle and, and it goes on and on and on. And we're wondering, well, why? why aren't they receiving? You know, you, we think, you know, there's certain people in all of our lives we probably think, well, if anybody ought to get it, it should be, and, you know, you fill in the blank. 
And of course, we don't know all the situation with whoever's in the blank there. We really don't know their heart. We don't know really what they're believing. And we don't know where, where their attitudes and their relationship with God is. We know what we see, and, and that's encouraging. But we don't know the whole story. And, but when somebody that it seems that they have done nothing to cooperate with God get their healing, well, that's just a miracle. And we don't always figure all that out. But, everybody say but. Divine healing is most always... Not like that, but almost always a cooperation between God and man. We have responsibilities in the process. We have responsibilities. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we've been studying the steps of faith that Abraham took from Romans 4, uh, the law of faith, how it works. Uh, we find we have some responsibilities in the process. We don't like processes. We don't like waiting. We don't really want any more responsibilities, do we? But uh, it's unavoidable. Now, you might say, well, but if that's the case, then uh, is, doesn't that mean that it's dependent upon me? Everything is upon me? Is that what you're saying, Pastor? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, actually, this whole statement I'm making about a cooperation with God does not take God's sovereignty out of the equation. He is a sovereign being, but... God in His sovereignty is designed that the just shall live by faith. So to cooperate with the sovereignty of God, I need to learn how faith operates. And exercising faith, and here's where we, we, we connect with and we sync up with the principle of grace, exercising faith is not earning God's blessings. That's not what faith is. It's not doing enough good things it's not even making enough confessions until God, all, all of a sudden, God looks at the register and says, Oh, I'm past due here. I owe him something. No, God doesn't owe us anything. Exercising faith is not earning God's blessings, but it is positioning ourselves to receive what he freely offers. I'll give you an, an illustration that is dear to my heart. It involves food. Um, <laughs> All right, Trey. Let's say that we had a wonderful dinner prepared after the service down here in the fellowship room. And all of you are invited, and uh, we make the announcement there is, you know, there's what? A fried chicken, potato salad, mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans, coleslaw, salad, uh, coconut cream pie. Uh, you know, all kinds of good and wonderful gifts. And it won't cost you anything. It's totally free. Somebody else is taking care of it. And this is just a gift to you. And it's down there in the room where we normally eat. Well, let me, and I know this is going to, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but I really want you to think about this with me for a minute. Let's say that you get up, and we say this is immediately after the service. When we dismiss the service, you just head out the doors and go that way. Well, let's say that you're here and you hear all of that. And you get up and you go out these doors to my left. And you walk outside, go across the parking lot, get in your car, and you go home. Are you having dinner? No. Was dinner provided? Yes. Were you invited? Yes. Did somebody else pay for it? Yes. But the other hand is, 
Let's say you go out these doors, you go out and round down the hall, you go in, and you load up a really good plate. It looks really good. Everything's symmetrical. It's just right there, piled up just right. <laughs> Chicken wings, they're the best. But anyway, um, and, and so, so you're doing this, and uh, you don't have to pay for it. When you leave, nobody's standing at the door with their hand out. You know, that's going to cost you 20 bucks. No, you just do. So who took advantage of what was available? The person that went down the hall to eat. That's, that's what this is about. That's, that's how divine healing and every other divine blessing from God, all the good and perfect gifts that come from above, that's how this works. It's not somebody uh, earning it. It's just simply positioning for it. You're not going to get the dinner if you walk out the door, cross the parking lot, get in your car, and head home. You have to be in the position where it is. And that's the way healing works. We have to position ourselves to receive what God freely offers. We don't have to work on the sending end. We're working on the receiving end, which means I'm working on me. And um, I am the hardest person I ever have to deal with. <laughs> There's nobody that gives me more trouble than the guy I look at in the mirror. And to make matters worse, as the years roll by, he looks worse and worse. But nobody gives me more trouble than the guy I see in the mirror. And by the way, speaking of getting older and so forth, tomorrow is Glenna's birthday. Hallelujah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Amen. Tomorrow she'll be 26 for the 40th time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm 28 days older than her, and she never lets me forget that. Amen. Happy birthday. Nick will sing to you in a moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, we have to work on ourselves. So I want to, beginning tonight, and of course I, I'm already really close on time, but what I want to do over the next several Wednesdays, I don't know how, it may take to the end of the year, it may take till Thanksgiving, I don't know, it doesn't matter. But what I want to look at at is from the scripture. That's why we're in Numbers 21, by the way. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? But uh, that's why we're there, because we're going to look at some key scriptural examples of people who positioned themselves to receive their healing. And we're going to see it from the Bible, and we're going to look at the principle that they operated in. Their circumstances will obviously be different than yours, not exactly the same. But the principles will work. And when you study the Bible, that's just a real helpful hint about reading and studying your Bible. Uh, always look for principles. Look for the things that will work in any generation, for any person, anywhere, anytime. Because when you find principles, you find things that will work for you right now in your circumstance. And so that's what we're going to do. Numbers chapter 21. I want to begin reading with verse 1. It says, And when King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. 
and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass or compass the land of Edom. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Notice that. They were in a bad mood. Everybody say bad attitude. <coughs> now, this particular example of positioning gives us a great key right here in verse 4. A lot of people can't make their connection because they don't have the right attitude. We're going to see in a minute, this attitude got these people in a lot of trouble. So, <clears throat> one of the things I want to do, we'll go from a marvelous fried chicken dinner to a little bit of uh, soul searching now. Uh, we need to do attitude checks. We need to do them regularly. How do we really respond to the things of God? How do we respond to the place where he has us and the things he's telling us to do? These people had come out of Egypt with a mighty, mighty miracle. You all know the story, the, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the, the, you know, the pillar of cloud by night and fire, I mean fire by night and cloud by day and all those things. Um, but they just maybe have gotten a little tired. And uh, they're not necessarily thrilled about the, the life that they've seemed to settle into. And they're discouraged because of the way. And notice verse 5. And see, this is what, this is what happens when, when our attitude goes south or sour. And the people spake against God. Now somebody said, well, I would never do that. Every time we complain about anything involving our place in the kingdom uh, our situation before God, we are com we're speaking against God. Complaining, you will find as you study, especially the journeys of Israel, you'll find that complaining will get you killed. There's something about complaining, griping, and fussing that God absolutely seems to hate. It's just something that will never, ever put you in a place of, of being spiritual. It, it will take away from your spiritual power and strength. The people spake against God and against Moses. And notice uh, one of the first ways that this kind of attitude manifests is when people start yapping about spiritual leadership. We've all heard this. You all are probably familiar with people that uh, you know have been involved in what we call church splits and messes in churches, and you've probably heard people just talk about uh, pastors, talk about church leaders, talk about other Christians, and um, I just want to say again, that stuff will get you killed. You see, no man is my servant. They're God's servants, and that means I have no right to judge their service. If I can't walk in agreement with them, then I may have to walk separated from them to a degree. But I don't hate them. And I don't criticize them. You can never lift up yourself 
by putting somebody else down. And it's very easy to always look for the, uh, somebody else to, to vent our frustrations on. But it got these folks in a lot of trouble. And the people spake against God and against Moses. And here's what they said. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Well, you know that's not why God brought them up, don't you? you we know that's not what was going on at all. But that's where their attitude was. In other words, yeah, you did miracles. Yeah, the Red Sea parted. I've seen more miracles in my lifetime than most humans will ever see in all of their lifetime. But, you know, what have you done for me lately? It goes on to say, For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. They were complaining about the manna. Now they're getting a miracle six days a week, and on the sixth day they got a big enough miracle to tie them over to the Sabbath so they didn't have to go out and even collect any manna. And the word manna, if you look it up in, the, uh, in a Hebrew dictionary, the word manna means what is it? And it's very interesting because we really don't know, hence the term, what is it? And so every day they went out and gathered up some what is it? Now, I have been in some places in my life where something was put in front of me to eat, and that would, that I could call it manna, because you wonder, what is it? But, uh, but this wasn't something bad. This was something good. It was something that sustained and nourished them. But now, they're tired of their, you know, this is an ongoing miracle. And can you see they're hardened? Their attitude is keeping them from seeing that which they should be grateful for. And uh, the Lord was not happy with this. Verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. So he, he had to allow judgment to come. That's not what he wanted. That's not what he likes. That's not what, uh, how he wants to operate. But here comes these fiery serpents. And you know that since the fall of man, there's been enmity between the seed of the woman and, and, and between actually humanity and serpents forever. I, I dare say there's probably nobody in here that likes snakes, right? And I know there are a few folks that are kind of strange, and I don't mind saying it. They're just strange, and they seem to like snakes, and they want to keep them as pets and bring them in their house. And we, from time to time, we keep hearing these stories about these people that had this python or a boa constrictor in their house, and somebody found them dead because their pet squezzed them to death. Not squeezed them, squeezed them to death and killed them. Well, you know, so snakes are just the worst. Many years ago, uh, about 1971 or so, my dad and mom, they bought a piece of property over in the hills of West Virginia and, and to build a house on, and they did. And uh, the first building that was built on it that we lived in for a while, um, it, uh, uh, we built it. We had to clear woods to do this and I mean it was really kind of wilderness type place and that year we killed 17 copperheads and a rattlesnake on that property in one season and uh, I have never gotten used to them I don't like them and so here there are fiery serpents among the people verse 6 and they bit the people and much people of Israel died 
So there's death all around. You can imagine the fear was so thick you could cut it with a knife. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, the obvious, we have sinned. But that's what you do when you've sinned. You just fess up. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord. So that's a sin. And against thee, that's a sin. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And I have this underlined in my Bible. I think it's so powerful. And Moses prayed for the people. It's amazing what happens when a man or a woman of faith prays for somebody. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. We know he made it out of brass. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, I know I'm out of time, so I just want to make this quick, and we may have to revisit it next, next time a little bit more. But what you'll see is the serpent was a type of Christ, and we might say, how in the world could that be? That a serpent would be the type of Christ? Well, on the cross, Jesus became sin with our sins. He didn't commit sin. He never did. But he became what we were so we can be what he is. And so as far as God is concerned, sin is an evil thing. So Jesus was our substitute. He, he, was, he became, as I said, what we were. And so this is a type, a type of the cross a type of redemption, a type of escaping judgment, a type of being free from sin and its consequences. But I want you to notice how the people went about positioning themselves to receive. They had to look. Everybody say, look. look. Now, I want to ask you this question. I want you to think with me a little bit. How hard would it be for you to look up at that pole with a brass serpent, technically an inanimate object up there, how hard would it be to keep looking at that when there are all these snakes on the ground? You know that was very difficult? And in our sickness times, whenever, if ever we're attacked, and when there are symptoms in your body, when you know what the Word says, but your body is saying something else, or you know what the Word says, but the doctor says something else, you know what the Bible says, but the test results or the scan or the picture says something else, one of the most difficult things to do if you don't have a mind renewed to these truths is to keep looking to the Word and keep looking to God and not looking at your symptoms. We have a tendency to want to check ourselves, you know. If it's something that's visible, we keep looking. If it's something we are feeling, we, we keep checking. If, do we still feel that way? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it gone? Or is it still here? You know, the, you know the drill because all humans are the same. This instance of healing says that we position ourselves to be healed 
by not looking at the disease, the sickness, the symptoms, but by looking unto Jesus. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who begins our faith, the one who gives us our faith, the one whose word produces our faith, and then the one who will bring your faith to pass and will confirm his word. You've got to quit looking at all the stuff in the natural and keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Which means we choose where we look. Proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 through 22 says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Think about it. When Proverbs was written, these, everybody didn't have a Bible. We're so blessed today that we, you know, I, don't, I honestly don't know how many Bibles I have. I have so many. I don't know how many copies I have. But that wasn't the case when Proverbs 4, 20 and 20. 1 and 22 was written. The primary way that these people, there were some scriptures written. There were some, you know, they had these phylacteries and things that they would put scriptures in like a little box or whatever. There were certain things written down. There were scrolls, but they were in the synagogues. They weren't in people's homes. So how in the world are they going to attend to his words? That, that means they have to hear it enough until it gets in them. And you know how you know when the word's in you? When it comes out. When you put enough word in you that it starts coming out. Have you ever talked to people and all that came out was what the doctor said? Yeah, you've talked to people. You've heard people talk like that. Have you ever heard somebody, somebody talk and, and all they were saying was what God said, what the word says? Those people are rare, but those people are well. I said, those people are rare, but those people are healed. Amen. Amen? And so what we put in is what comes out. And so those people put that word into them until when they, when they uh, closed their eyes, if you will, what they saw on the inside was they saw themselves healed. They saw themselves with what the word says. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my saying. So listen to hear the word. <coughs> And you know, those people, <coughs> they didn't have tapes and CDs. They didn't have smartphones and all of that. So how would they hear? Well, they could hear it at the synagogue, of course. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> when they went down there. But primarily, they were going to hear it when they heard themselves. Right. See, that's what I'm trying to get to you. You need to be saying it. Because what you say all the time... It's what you're going to then see. And if you can say it, and you can see it, you can have it. Amen? Amen? And so we choose where we look. And 2 Corinthians 4.18, we'll cover this, and, and then we'll have to stop. The Bible says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. It's a powerful principle. The spirit of faith doesn't live in what we see in the natural. The spirit of faith lives when, where we see what the Word says. And the things in the natural, the facts, realities that are there naturally, they'll just have to change. That's, right. That's how faith works. That's how miracles happen. That's how divine healing is manifested. <clears throat> I appreciate doctors. I appreciate medical professionals. I appreciate anybody
that wants to help and does help with people when they're sick or they're afflicted. Thank God for them. But you know and I know that there's tremendous limitations even in this modern day to what can be done. If you want to live long, if you want to live strong, and if you want to live well, you need to get into the Word of God and, and immerse yourself in these healing truths and make them a part of your life and your confession and your thought process constantly so that no matter what comes, no matter how you feel or what things look like or what somebody says, you can walk in the health and blessing of God until you live your full length of time out here on the earth and live until you're satisfied and go home. Every day of my life, I confess, I will live strong, I will live long, I will live strong, and I will live well upon the earth. I'll live till I'm satisfied with long life, and I'll live till I finish my course. And so that's why I'm not planning on dying anytime soon. And I'm not just hoping and wishing, I'm planning. Amen. You know, we talked about birthdays a while ago. I finally told Glenna after my birthday, I said, I've determined <clears throat> that you're not old until you're at least 70. So I am now in late midlife. <laughs> I'm not old. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, you're a healer. Old Testament, New Testament, throughout the ages, people touched you with their faith and they were healed. So Lord, we thank you that today with a better covenant established upon better promises because of the precious blood of Jesus, we too can be among that number that you have healed. And by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. It's a forever settled fact. You want it and we agree to receive it. In Jesus' name now, amen. 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 amen.